I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present the Liturgy Guys. Oh, uh, hello, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Hello, Jesse. Hello, Jesse. This is definitely not the second time we've recorded the introduction to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Just so that we're all clear. Fourth. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, but I am not excited today. That's for sure. Well, this is the opposite day. day for you, Jesse, I think. Yeah, well, Chris is going to give us a quiz, and I'm all insecure, and even though I can occasionally surpass your intelligence in these quizzes, it just makes me nervous. It's not about intelligence, Jesse. I've been, I've been doing this teaching at Liturgy <laughs> stuff for 20 years, so. Yeah. Just consider experience. Dennis. It's what, Chris? You don't even have a liturgy degree. I know. You're I don't awesome. have any degree in anything that I do. <laughs> The, well, you'll, hey, I have a, a liturgy quiz in the future on the liturgical movement. Oh, yeah. Now, father of the liturgical movement, Virgil Michael, his mm-hmm. degree was in what? Uh, English? Philosophy. Tennis. Oh, yeah. uh, he was a seminarian. Yeah. He didn't have a liturgy degree either. He was awesome. Oh, there you go. So, hey, not that, you know, folks out there, not that you don't need a liturgy degree. Of course. And if you do want a liturgy degree, you can go to the Liturgical <laughs> Institute. Thanks, Chris. That was awesome. That worked we, as just as we planned it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this quiz, this is not the liturgical movement quiz. That'll be a future uh, podcast. So, uh, as uh, you guys might know, uh, last year was the 50th anniversary of the Roman Missal, uh, the post-conciliar Roman Missal. And so, Mm -hmm. in Honoramus, at least, we've been trying to uh, run some quizzes. I mean, you know, you can crank out a 4,000-word essay on some aspect of the Missal, and everybody loves to read that. But this is just kind of a different way to get into the uh, substance of uh, the Missal. So, we've had a series of these, and this one is on the order of Mass itself. Okay, the order of mass. Mm. We don't know anything about that. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. All right, so who wants to go first? You want to do a Dennis. rock, paper, scissors? Jesse wants to go first. Dennis. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, Jesse. Okay, All right, go. ready? Ready. One, One two, two, three. three. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can't wow. see your hand. It's the same. Uh, okay, right, go well, rock, well, paper, scissors, and on the fourth yeah, one. Yeah, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. That's how okay, everybody does go. it. I didn't know this Rock, game. paper, scissors, shoot. Got it. Uh, yeah, Jesse got it. He's right. got the uh, scissors cut. The people paper. at home will have to believe us that we actually did this. Yeah. Hey, this is this is legit. It's all about board. Okay, <laughs> Jesse, are you ready? Wait, I want Dennis to go first, and I oh, want you rock did? paper. Oh, yeah. Okay. You yeah, uh, you deferred to the second half. Yes. Okay. All right. I will Dennis. take the lead immediately. That's all right with me. Okay. Here we go, Dennis. Question number one. This is a true or false. If the priest celebrant must introduce the faithful to the mass of the day, he ought to do so before making the sign of the cross. Mm, I would say false. That is correct. It is ding, false. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. I don't have my what, bell, but I'll ding, ding. I, I, the, I wish to go first. I changed my mind. <laughs> the order of mass says this. Following the sign of the cross in the greeting, the priest or a deacon or another minister may very briefly introduce the faithful to the mass of the day. All right. So the very first word out of the priest's mouth is in. in. 
Okay, unless he's going to recite the entrance antiphon. So if it's not the entrance antiphon, the first word out of his mouth is in, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then after that, as it says uh, in the order of mass at number three, the, then the priest, deacon, or other minister can very briefly introduce the, very briefly is, is a quote, uh, the faithful to the mass of the day. All right. Good. It's off to a good start. You have Wait, any questions? If it's about in that? quotes, that means it's not brief, right? Like very briefly. <laughs> very, very, yeah, that's just you know, the scare quotes. No, no, what I meant by that, it's a quotation from the missile. It's not my Got own. It. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, let me keep track here. So that's uh, one for Dennis. Okay. What is it? One for Dennis? One for Dennis. Oh, okay. I like that. One for Dennis. All right, Jesse, you ready or are you deferring again to Dennis? <laughs> Can I do that? <laughs> no, you can't do that. All right, ready. Okay, number two. During the penitential act, the Kyrie eleison, or Lord have mercy, must follow option. So the, your first choice is A, option one, the confiteer. Uh, the second choice is B, option two, have mercy on us, O Lord, for we have sinned against you. Uh, the third choice is option C, uh, which is the invocations. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. So again, you get this. Which of those three must the Kyrie eleison follow? You, you usually put like an all of the above answer at the end. I was waiting well, for that. Yeah, you should uh, take in the first right. question, Jesse. True, false is easy. You got like three hard answers yeah. here. Uh, I would say let's go with the confidier. Is that your complete answer? <clears throat> All of them is my answer. No, that's too complete of an answer. <laughs> what, what, right. What's incomplete about You're, saying the confidier? That was option well, one. Okay, All right. Op, because option, option one was my answer. Option B is also. Oh, but uh, you didn't. Ha but you didn't have like a. Or I said uh, which of the following? Which of the oh following? Oh my gosh! That is so okay. tricky. I just okay. got dentist. <laughs> All right, so what it says here in uh, the Missal, this is uh, Order of Mass number seven. It says, the Kyrie eleison invocations follow unless they have just occurred in a formula of the penitential act. Right? And the only, uh, only version of the penitential act which includes the Kyrie eleison is option three. So if you use the confidior, the Kyrie follows. If you use the second one, have mercy on us, the Lord, for we have sinned against you, the Kyrie follows. All right? This isn't how you conduct quizzes in your actual classes, because we might have to put you under a yeah. board review. Yeah, you yeah. mean your classes, right? <laughs> so what's, right. The, what's the running score now, Chris? So far, it's one oh for Dennis God. and none for Jesse. Okay? <laughs> I should get half a point for that. Listen, man, I even tried to help you there. No, your your struct your quiz structure is uh, errant. You're gonna inherently. be penalized. You're gonna be penalized for <laughs> going all John McEnroe on the, uh, on the on the line judge. Here. On the line judge. All right, uh, Dennis, you ready for number three? Oh, I am so ready. All right, the Gloria is sung or said Ugh. a on all solemnities and feasts. B on all Sundays outside of Advent and Lent. C, during any ritual mass, so rite of wedding, uh, rite of confirmation. D, on other celebrations of a more solemn character. E, all of the above. F, options A and B. Let me uh, go through that list again. It's hard to do A and B without looking at it, but... Okay, uh... A is all solemnities and feasts. B is all Sundays outside of Advent and Lent. C is any ritual mass. D is on other celebrations of a more solemn character. E is all of them. F is A and B. Hmm. 
Well, 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 let's see. I think A and B are right. The question is that other celebrations of a more solemn character, I so, but I think anything that is a celebration of a more solemn character would be covered by A and B. So I will say whatever it was that said A and B. So F is options <laughs> A and B. That's wrong. Oh, <laughs> oh I, yeah. You were, lead, you were leaning to the right answer. So other celebrations of a, of a more solemn character. So let's say. That's the uh, wrong wait. buzzer. I just played the wrong buzzer. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's a D. So let's say you're going to uh, install the pastor or something like that in his uh, uh, in his in his parish. Okay, it's maybe it's a Tuesday in Lent. That could be considered a festive occasion of a more solemn period, no. but it's not solemnity. Installation of a bishop, something like that. And then uh, C, any ritual mass uh, has the Gloria now as a part of it. So regardless now? of that's new. Yeah, yeah, it's new Ooh. to the third edition of the Roman Missal. Wow. So it's All right, here's a, B, your chance, C, D, Jesse. D. All right. Okay, we back to you, up. Jesse. Neck and neck. Number four. At the proclamation of the gospel, the book of the gospels is incensed, A, before the priest or deacon greets the people with the Lord be with you, B, before the priest or deacon announces a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark, C, before the priest or the deacon actually proclaims the reading, D, after the priest or deacon proclaims the reading, but before the homily. Ah. So when is the book of the Gospels incensed? Before he says, the Lord be with you, that's A. Before he says a reading from the Holy Gospel, that's B. Before the priest or deacon proclaims the actual reading, that's C. Or D, before the homily. Easy peasy, Jesse. Okay, I know. I'm going to be overthinking this one now. Um, the problem here is that don't often get a chance to see the, the deacon incense the book. <laughs> that is a problem, uh, isn't it? Um, my answer is before he introduces the name of the gospel. Uh, that's not quite right. It's, uh, uh, it's before he announces the actual reading. So how it goes oh, is the deacon goes up I to knew. the ambo and he says, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy yep. Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. And then he turns around and he reaches for the yeah. incense from the thurifer and then he incenses the book. Three double swings. And then he, then he begins the gospel reading at that point. I knew there was like an awkward pause there. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think that you is, Chris, theologically, that you announce the reading and then incense? Oh, that is a good question. Um, because we've always done it that way, Dennis. Yeah. Next yeah. question. No. <laughs> Dumb uh, small I tea think, tradition. I think um, probably because that uh, is the closest in proximity to the actual proclamation of the text. So who's dinging out there? Jesse just, just sent me a text. <laughs> I silenced your phone, man. I mean, you sent him a text to silence Mine his wasn't phone. dinging before. <laughs> That was mine, actually. It your, it phones, your phones should all be on silent. This is season five. Hey, I season just got a five. Smart, I just got a smartphone, though, okay? So oh I don't know how this thing works. No, so, I had it in case I got the right answer. I could play the ding sound. I got the wrong answer, and then you gave me the ding. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. That's my guess, is that uh, in the proclamation of the gospel, Christ himself is speaking. And so... That's a holy event. 
venerable event that is, uh, uh, deserves incense at, uh, just as at other sacred occasions. And so putting that incensation closest to the actual proclamation seems to make the most sense. That's my okay. speculation. What do you think of that? All right, without addressing the score, let's continue All to right. Dennis. And Dennis still right. has the Have lead. Have you guys ever been to Mass before? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Number five. This uh, podcast so this may four? not make it on the air, by the way. <laughs> okay, this, oh, hey, uh, this is another true and false, Dennis. Woo-hoo. Come on! Okay, hey, you, won the, you won the toss, dude. Yeah, you should have uh, elected to receive. Number five, true or false, the Roman Missal directs that the final petition of the universal prayer, also called the general intercessions, should be for the dead. True or false? Uh, that it may or that it must? Uh, should. I would say true. Yeah, that's not right. False. Yeah, even though if you have been to Mass, that will be your experience is almost every final petition seems to be for the deceased. But that's I know not this. What, I know yeah. this from a recent class with uh, Dennis Gill for oh, lectures. Right? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. So this is what the germ says at number 70. Uh, the series of intentions is usually to be for the needs of the church for the public authorities and the salvation of the whole world, for those burdened by any kind of difficulty, for the local community. Nevertheless, in any particular celebration, such as confirmation, marriage, or funeral, the series of intentions may be concerned more closely with the particular occasion. So nowhere in that instruction does it say that the final petition is to be for the deceased. So then why do we so, do it all the time? That Well, isn't that what this podcast is about? Why do we do the things we do, uh, whether we do them rightly or not completely so uh, correctly? Why do we do this stuff? So I think, now I know you guys pray uh, morning prayer and evening prayer. If the question were the final petition for uh, evening prayer, is that for the dead? Almost always. Almost always. It's not at morning prayer, but for evening prayer you, almost can always you pray is. For the, you can pray for the sick, just not the dead. No, no, no. And the, you, you can understand what the question is. You can pray for the dead. The question was, why, does the germ tell us to do this? And the answer is oh, no. Oh, right. The germ instruction doesn't tell us to do that. It's a pious and, custom. Yeah, I guess, which, you know, doesn't make it wrong. It also doesn't mean that, <laughs> that it's according to the book, which is something we we want to do. Anyway, so I, I'm not telling people out there that uh, they shouldn't be praying for the dead at the Mass. Of course they should. But it just to observe what the missile says and what it doesn't say. Got it. Well, okay. Jesse, here's your chance. Tie it up, baby. Yeah, here's to tie it up at one. <laughs> no, number, number six. Number six. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, so this is kind of an open-ended one, Jesse. The homily, which is to be preached by a priest or deacon on all Sundays and holy days of obligation, ought to be founded on which texts? In other words, what text ought the homily to be based upon? I don't have any options for you. Um, I mean, I'm going to say the gospel readings, but but more generically, I would say the text of Scripture. Okay. Uh, is that is that uh, the completion of your answer? Wait, what are you or trying do you to have get me more to say? to say? Something more than that. There's lots of things you can preach about. Okay, well, like? You can preach about liturgy. You can preach about church teaching. You can preach on scripture. Okay. And you can preach on, um, like, morality concerns, Mm -hmm. that type of stuff. Yeah. 
I don't think I can give you that point, uh, uh, Jesse. So this is this is what the germ says at number sixty-five. My goodness. The the homily is a part of the liturgy and is highly recommended for it is necessary for the nurturing of the Christian life. It should be an explanation of some aspect of the readings from sacred scripture. You're right on there. Or of another text from the ordinary or the proper of the mass of the day. In other words, the priest or the deacon can preach on the Sanctus, on the communion. I said the the liturgy. I said he can preach on the liturgy. That is yeah, the but, liturgy. But that can mean lots of things. I mean, would that, you want the, That's why I said that. Sorry, Chris yeah. is the judge. You're wrong. Nah, no points for no. you, Jesse. I mean, oh, on the liturgy, goodness. you could say, uh, <laughs> the homily today will be based on Chris Karsten's book, uh, A Devotional Journey into the Easter Mystery. No, when I said the liturgy, that's a, that's I mean... That's the liturgy. I, when I said the liturgy, I mean, like, the what the liturgy is for that day. Yeah. But and liturgical concepts. You may have thought that, but you didn't say that. See, this is why yes. symbols are so important. I'll pay this you is only in liturgy, Jesse, but in life. So, Chris okay. and I have known each other longer than you and he have, Jesse. <laughs> Plus, all nowhere right. did it say in there anything about moral teaching. So. Yeah. I just want to ring my bell. That's all. Ring I just want. The, I want a bell well, ring. You are getting your bell rung. If that's, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. One to Number seven, Dennis. Oh, mm-hmm. it's another true false. Oh yes. <laughs> instead on. of the, I'm, this is just how it's hey, laid out. I didn't instead get it right last the, time. Instead of the Nicene Creed, or sometimes called the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed, mm-hmm. the Apostles' Creed may be used at any mass in which the creed is prescribed. The Apostles' Creed, like you might say at the beginning of the Rosary. Yeah. Well, um, let's see. True or false? Now, this is one of those things where my lived experience and the current legislation may not be the same. Because I remember back in the day when I used to go to churches that had missalettes, you know, little newspaper things, that was always there as an option all the time. And I think, as I recall, there were a bunch of people who used it kind of all the time when they didn't want to say and was made man because of the gender question. So your question is whether it may be used any time as a substitution for the creed whenever the creed is Yeah, true or false, the Apostles' Creed may be used at any time uh, when the creed is called for. You can use either. I will say, even though it's probably wrong, true. Dennis, that is correct. Yes! That is correct. Ring ring a bell. Somebody ring a bell. We've been ringing bells all day. Now I finally got a question. Now, the former sacramentary, however... (laughs) <laughs> what was that? Kinda, that was too, like, <laughs> Red Bull cans. Now, the former sacramentary, which we used up until 2011, said that you could use the Apostles' Creed only at masses with children. But if the creed was called for, it had to be the Nicene Creed. Okay? But in the current Roman Missal, it says, let's see, what does it say here? Instead of the nicene o constantinopolitan Creed, especially during Lent and Easter time, the baptismal symbol of the Roman Church, known as the Apostles' Creed, may be used. That's in the order of Mass, number 19. Well, Eggs I got use it right, but I had all the wrong reasoning. But, oh yeah. Well. yeah, well, you know, there you go. All right, I'll take okay. it. Okay. Two, 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 two. Some other score. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse, okay, this is number eight. Just let, just, I just want a true-false. Or it's like not, a, cle- a clear multiple choice. This is a clear multiple choice. In fact, I feel good about this one for you. I think, because uh, we've talked <laughs> about this before, I think you might get this. Number eight, which of the following Eucharistic prayers is not recommended by the Roman Missal for Sundays? Eucharistic prayer number one, which is called the Roman Canon. 
Eucharistic prayer number two, which has that famous epiclesis, like the dewfall. That's number two. Eucharistic prayer number three, which has that line from uh, Malachi, which speaks of uh, uh, offering a sacrifice from the rising of the sun to its setting. Okay. Or Eucharistic prayer number four, which has a proper uh, preface and always has to be used. You can't swap it out. Okay. So which of those four, <clears throat> and there's only one, Jesse, which, of the, which one of those four is not recommended for use by the Roman Missal on Sundays? All right. Uh, I remember uh, I remember talking about this when we did the um, Able the Just podcast. Okay. My guess is Eucharistic prayer number one. Jesse, that, that's that's not right. Yeah. So of all the answers, that's the most wrong. I yeah. thought, okay, you want to know why? Because I thought you were I thought you were giving me a hint. You said there's only one answer. Oh. I thought you were I thought you were flexing that for me. So I was like, all right. My, yeah. Okay. My, my other my is, other is that your final answer, answer Jesse? No. Okay. What is your final not. answer? What's your final answer? <coughs> <coughs> Oh my gosh, if it's not three, number two. Three, it's three, number two. That's right, Jesse. It's number don't two. Don't give him credit for that. Oh, he right. got it wrong. So uh, this is what... That uh, was going to be my second answer. <laughs> uh, the German number 365 says, Eucharistic prayer number two, like the Dufal, on account of its particular features, is more appropriately used on weekdays or in special circumstances. Okay. Uh, but the other ones, one, three, and four are all suitable for Sunday Masses. I'm going to give you a multiple choice question, Chris, and there is a answer (laughs) to this multiple choice. Jesse, I'll tell you what I'll do. All those fragments of partially true uh, answers, I'm going to add up to one point right now, okay? It's only mostly true. Okay. So that means we're tied? No, no, you have two. You have two, and... Uh, Jesse has one. Oh, okay. all right. Yeah, I'll give him right? charity as long as it doesn't make him win in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, but Gosh. let's go back to that question. Okay. So is yeah. two not permitted or it's just not recommended for Sunday? Uh, yeah, it's, I think you'd say uh, it says is more appropriately used on weekdays. Right. So I, it wouldn't be uh, forbidden, but it's just not the mens ecclesia that uh, it be used under most circumstances. Yeah. I remember hearing a lecture at the Liturgical Institute many years ago, and I forget now who gave the talk, but she talked about in the initial schema or schemas of the council, they, they wanted four Eucharistic prayers, not just as four interchangeable options, but four different needs and occasions. So solemnities and Sundays, uh, Sundays and other solemnities would use one. Daily mass would use two because one was very long. Uh, three would be for uh, what ecumenical situations. And I forget what they were, but that was the intention. And then it kind of became, well, whichever one you want. Yeah. So there's a little yeah. remnant of what's appropriate. Oh, yeah, um, I think that's right. I mean, and the thing is, this is the point, Dennis. It's not just, ah, pick one. They're all, you know, they're all basically the same. No, there's actual instructions and guidance on which ones ought to be used. uh, I was uh, hanging out in a rectory once, and the pastor was there with me, and his associate had decided to use the long form of the blessing and Eucharistic prayer one at Mass, and the pastor was like, darn it, we're never going to get people out of the parking lot in time. What does this young guy (laughs) think he's doing? So, yeah, well, never let practicality. They have a parking lot problem. He's a bishop now, that pastor, by the way. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go to uh, number nine. So this is back to you, uh, 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 Dennis. Yes, I'm so ready, Number Chris. nine. Number nine. And I love you both. Th- this is a little, this is a little open-ended too. Darn so it. 
Number nine, how does the Roman Missal suggest that the exchange of peace be made? Uh, no, no multiple choice. Just no, to, uh, give, give, me an a couple, uh, give me a couple adjectives. I, it's something what? like simply and nobly or it, whatever the actual words are. It's something like with restraint and just with the people next to you and um, quietly or something. Not quiet, but, you know, okay. restraint. Yeah, uh, the answer is uh, with dignity and restraint. Okay, good. Okay. Quote uh, 154, according to what is decided by the Conference of Bishops, all express to one another peace, communion, and charity. While the sign of the peace, while the sign of peace is being given, it is permissible to say the peace of the Lord be with you always, to which the reply is amen. And then I think we did a, a, a podcast, right, on the sign of peace, didn't we? Because there was a letter about how to exchange the sign of peace. Jesse is so mad. I just took a screenshot of his mean face. That should be the picture that goes with this podcast. So, uh, but I think it might be worth posting that uh, sign of peace podcast again, because right now, presumably most places aren't doing any sign of peace. So the question is, well, when, you know, after this pandemic uh, and the sign of peace returns, let's have it return in all of its full meaning and spiritual substance and not just the same old, you know, well, glad if it returns, because it's not required, right? It's not, but it should though. If done properly, it's, it's, uh, I think it uh, should be done. Well, but it doesn't matter what I think. I mean, the church apparently thinks it should be yeah. done too, but done properly. Okay. okay. Three to one. Is this three the last one. question now? Well, I do have a bonus this one. Ooh. Okay. Okay. 10. Jesse. All right. Uh, True or false? True or false? True or false? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Number 10. The communion chant ought to begin, A, when the priest receives communion, B, when the deacon or other ministers receive communion, C, when the people receive communion, D, whenever it is convenient for the scola. (laughs) Dennis, I called you and asked you about this. Do you remember that? No. I have no idea. What your I called is. you because because uh, because I was doing uh, I was being cantor for the li masses, no, 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 I and I remember. was asking you when to start the the communion antiphon. Yeah. So, oh, the, so okay. it begins when the priest receives communion, when the deacon receives communion, when the people receive communion, or whenever it's convenient. So I'm going on my intuition here, and this is what uh, I do when I'm the cantor. Uh, I begin immediately as the priest receives communion. Boom! That is exactly right. Good job, Jesse. If you called me for the answer and I gave it, why are you going on your intuition? Because... He forgot what you told him. (laughs) No, what your answer was not definitive because you said, well, I think... Because sometimes you delay things because uh, there's a shorter amount of text or things like that. Remember? Yeah. Like the entrance antiphon we do a little bit differently because it's such a small chapel. And so we start we start the antiphon because uh before the procession starts because we want to be able to get through an entire verse before the, <laughs> the priest is already at the altar. Yeah. No, there might be some there are actually there is some legitimate pastoral adaptations to different circumstances, but those adaptations adapt from a norm from a standard, from a canon, you know, what we call the mm-hmm. canon of the Mass. And so uh, this one you can find in the Order of Mass at number 136 and also in the General Instruction of the Roman Missal, number 86, where it says, quote, while the priest is receiving the body of Christ, the communion chant begins, end mm-hmm. quote. Okay. And I would think that, uh, 
And there might be a lot of music directors that don't know the answer to that. But yeah, that's what the church has in mind is as the priest receives, the communion chant begins. Okay, so what's the score, Chris? Three to two, Dennis uh, and uh, Jesse. All right, so with this bonus question, I have a proposal. Yeah, how do you want to do that? That if I get it right, I get one point. If Jesse and gets it right, he gets two points so that he can take the lead and win. Oh, you want to do that? So who's going to answer it? But we oh. could also tie. Well, I don't know. You're, mm-hmm. you're the judge. Yeah, we could do like a side. double jeopardy thing, and you, you could bet a certain number of uh, points. But I'm betting it all. But Actually, that's how I won the quizzical papist. Well, how, I, how about this? I whoever but, whoever answers this point. question right uh, is the winner. But who answers first? Who gets the chance to answer first? Since you're leading, uh, Dennis, you can decide if you want to answer it or if Jesse wants to answer it. Oh, Oh, does he have to? Does he get to hear the question before he decides or does he decide right now? Hmm. If I were a betting man, which I am, (laughs) I would let Jesse answer. Yeah. I think you might regret that. This is kind of an easy one. Uh, the Roman Missal provides four dismissal formulas, each beginning with the word. <laughs> Gosh. There's four uh, dismissal formulas, but they, and they they're all different, but they all begin with the same word. Mm-hmm. Glorify the Lord by your life. The, the mass has just no, begun. That's not the- no, that's the second part. That's do you know the, the answer part. to this, Dennis? I do. I All right, I do. I'm going to say go. Go for it, the mass has ended, right? And that is the right answer. I can't remember the other answer. ones. Here's, here, here they are. I go. was also thinking the. <laughs> the. <laughs> go forth, the mass has ended. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Go in ah. peace, glorifying the Lord by your life, and go in peace. In each instance, the I mean, the word that's being translated is ite, that imperative, that command mm. that you get out. And so, to 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 reword that like the masses ended, go in peace, kind of uh, uh, lessens the well, impact of the command to get out. So it's go. That's what was confusing me because we always say the mass is ended first. So what part is no, the formula? No, you shouldn't say the mass is ended. Go well, forth, well. the mass is ended. <laughs> but ite okay, doesn't go. really mean go, does it? It does mean go. Oh, it, it does. It, like go exa- to Joseph. Exactly. Mean. Ite misa est, right? Go, it has been yeah. sent. Yeah. Yeah. Or ec, like a ex ite, mm-hmm. an exit sign means get out. Okay. Yeah, ite means is the imperative. To so go. here's the follow-up. All right, so Jesse, in my great magnanimity, I allow you to get the W in your column. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's, oh yeah, it is. I said win. he yeah. would get two Why points and he would yeah. therefore take the lead. Good job. Good job. But here's my follow-up question for you, Chris. But my, but my pulse is like racing. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, Chris, on the, for dismissal, those are the four options given. Are you mm-hmm. allowed to... Other, these are other words, or are those the only four options that are licit? Uh, I don't have the rubric in front of me. I think, though, those are the only four licit options. Okay. okay? Those are carefully chosen to kind of uh, transition you from uh, being a top Mount Tabor to going back into the world to change it. So go and glorify the Lord by uh, your life. Go, so they're, go, they're the mass has just begun, or the mass goes on forever, or no. what, those are, I mean, they were always questionable. You are all children of God. Go no. forth. Yeah, that's, oh, make a that's, difference. That's, you can make a difference. Oh. That's illegit. 
don't you do stole that. my joke. Mm-hmm. That was my joke. Well, you know how I judge go make a difference. I've said it before. If it can apply uh, to a Christian I, after mass, okay, okay, or okay. To I don't know. Okay, a mass murderer, <laughs> then you're something's wrong. Ooh, now there's a turn of phrase yeah, there. I like there's that. There's some totalitarian mass murderers who made quite a difference, but it wasn't a good one. All right, so Chris, thank you. Do you know what yeah, I've discovered no, about this, guys. though, Chris? These yes. quizzes are always in the Adoramus Bulletin ahead of the time when we actually <laughs> do them true. here. What? Which shows you that neither of us read your read rag of a newspaper. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Even though you write for it, and, and Jesse does Adoramus interviews, just like the yeah. uh, just like the math textbook, he only gives the answers to the even numbered ones. <laughs> so, right. hey, by the way, Chris, my little yeah. piece on the Clear Creek thing that's going to come mm-hmm. out this week is that, that is going to come out on uh, Thursday, the twenty eighth of January. So that should so be I don't know when this, when this comes out. Yeah, yeah, and it's awesome. I wrote a little piece on the new stone carving on the front entry of the Clear Creek Monastery in Oklahoma, which I think is the best thing carved in. America in a long time, or among the best. So I don't uh, know. My dad carved a pretty nice turkey one time. <laughs> oh, dang it! <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jesse, right, are we ready for a liturgy question? Uh, too many questions I, already. I think so. Now, now the question. Now Chris has to answer a few <laughs> <Uh-oh>. questions. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to give you a multiple choice option, and none of them will be correct, and you'll have to tell me why. (laughs) All right, let's do it. So why go to the Liturgical Institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Mail call! Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? Okay, this week we have a question from Kunigunda. Kunigunda! We haven't had one from Kunigunda in a while. I know. That's uh, a saint, by the way. Yeah, who is she? Or he? I I think she was the queen of Poland or something. Her, the name right. in Polish comes out as Kinga, if you know anybody named Kinga. Mm. We, we know a Kinga from... Uh, from Granda. Uh, yeah, from Granda. Yeah, she was a very holy queen. I think she was the... Anyway, not a very common uh, saint well, name in we America. just use that name when we have somebody who wants to Maybe remain Maybe we take that as a anonymous. confirmation name. <laughs> well, that's... Chris, you're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, so, Kunigunda does have a question about confirmation names, she says. Hi, liturgy guys. Hi, Kinga. Hi, Kunigunda. <laughs> Kinga. <laughs> Who was actually, by the way, the empress of the Holy Roman Empire and the a queen oh, is that of all? Luxembourg. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Hi, liturgy guys. I really enjoy your podcast, and I have a question about confirmation names. For my children, do they have to choose a name that is a saint? Hmm. And I might add, Chris, since you're the kind of person who answers questions like this, do they have to take a name at all? Because mm. I remember I run into people all the time who say, oh, well, back in the 80s, you know, in the 70s, that was considered passe, and we didn't do that. I've, I've, I've never heard a, of that. 
question, you know, does it, can it be an Eastern saint? That is to say, what if they're, oh, you know, yeah. I don't know, not strictly speaking, I don't know, the history of this is confusing, uh, you know, in communion with the, the Holy Father, something like that. Yeah, this, this is a good and common question about confirmation names. I don't know at least the legal history of this, but I know that, at least as far as I can tell, there is nothing on the books today, either in the code, in the uh, order of confirmation, in any other document that says anything about a confirmation name. Uh, I do think that, um, uh, I was reading this from, do you guys know Bill Keimig, who's at uh, Steubenville? Yeah, the University of Steubenville? He's good guy. Very, yeah, very smart in these things. He uh, pointed out that in the RCIA book, uh, for those at least to be baptized, there's a right for taking a new name uh, like a Christian name, and you know, and that that name can be inserted actually in the litany of saints that's uh, sung at the at their baptism at the Easter vigil. Um, but there's nothing about, uh, say, a baptized uh, Christian or Catholic having to take another you know name for confirmation, at least on the book. So it seems to be one of these customs that maybe once upon a time was rooted in uh, law or something like that, but it's not on the books now. So. To the answer, I guess, to Dennis's question, do you have to have a confirmation name? Well, not at least according to universal law. It m might be the case that in your diocese, uh, the bishop has uh, legislated that, uh, or recommended, suggested, whatever, that you should have a confirmation name, but I don't think there's anything beyond that. So I guess to the other one, the other question, Jesse, does it have to be a saint's name? Well, it depends what you mean. It has to be a saint or blessed's name it can't be i don't know garth brooks or something like that do you remember who garth brooks is yeah chris Gaines. yeah okay whatever. that's his real name i guess you told me so garth brooks was his confirmation <laughs> <Yeah>. name. <laughs> boy that worked out really well for us and we okay. did not plan that wink so i mean if if you're going to take it it needs to be uh associated with uh, sanctity so I, in, in my opinion, in the absence of anything definitive, could it be a blessed? Like, could you take uh, Pier Giorgio as a uh, uh, confirmation name? I think you could. Could you take, what's the one step before that? Uh, the venerable? Me. Yeah, venerable or... A servant or, of God. Servant of God, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I would say no, based on the fact that you, if you're a blessed you can have your name inserted in a public in public prayer that is say liturgical prayer say in the litany of the saints or you can have you can say a mass in honor of blessed uh you know Imelda. whomever but <laughs> a servant of god you can't you can't uh insert ser uh, servant of god into a litany of hmm. the saints or say a mass in honor of that person so Got it. I, I think you could say take a, a blessed's name as what are your name. confirmation names you know, when I was, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, we kind of set a low bar, kind of a least common denominator sort of thing. In, it's uh, Tommy. I was growing up. No, they just <laughs> said, ah, just just use your baptismal name or something like oh. that. Which there's some merit. There's something to that too. But uh, so your baptismal name and your confirmation name are the same, like Christopher. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we just we just put in our baptismal names. Yeah. See, that's the whole thing that I was talking about. That was that was downplayed at that time. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Dennis? Do you uh, remember well, a confirmation? It's a little embarrassing to admit this, but mine is... It's Kunigunda? Kunigundo. <laughs> yeah, since I was a child, I've had a portrait of Kunigunda on a poster over my bed. 
Uh, <laughs> no, actually, being, you know, Dennis McNamara, I had, you know, no theological insight at all. I just thought, hey, Patrick, that's an Irish name. Why not? Didn't know the first thing about St. Patrick. But I guess it turns out all right in the end. I, you know, the thing about picking names, I think, is you're, you know, as I understand it, you're supposed to kind of have a, a new lease on life, right? The strengthening of your of your baptismal graces and someone to emulate. It's almost maybe a new patron saint or a protector or something. So to have a saint or a, a biblical character seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually an entry on baptism in uh, Wikipedia, which I know nobody's supposed to trust, but it actually has some footnotes to uh, David Philippart, who used to write a lot for liturgy training publications and actually uh, – was discouraged uh, the using of names, or at least not letting it become the primary um, reason or the primary thing about confirmation, so that you forget that what's what's primary about it. Huh. Excellent. Right. I, have a, I have a friend what's of mine, uh, Leo. Oh, now, actually, one. this works, uh, uh, Saint Leo the Great. This actually works out well for me because you know we celebrate feast days in our family in the for our little domestic church and there's no saint jesse so to speak and so in our litany at the end of the day for our prayers we do saint leo for myself and so my wife kim uh she was confirmed uh while we were engaged actually her uh name is saint martha so we use those as our patrons for our for our litany, and so it works out kind of well if you don't have a first name that has a saint related to it as well. So, um, but a, a family friend of ours actually, they when they were born, they just had a first name and a last name, and then when they were confirmed, they legally changed their middle name to their confirmation name, hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of such a thing before, but no. But in the end, pious custom or legal requirement or not, it's a good idea. Anytime you can find a saint who relates to your sense of your mission in life from God and you can use that saint as a model, hey, that's good news. All right. Kunagunda, I hope that answers your question. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com or tweet us at liturgyguys. And uh, Chris, I owe you a beer probably for something you've done. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and uh, tie a, yeah. uh, a question. <laughs> somebody that. sent you a single beer, right? Did yeah. somebody say a single yeah. beer? Paul and Patrine uh, are friends from Auburndale. Nice. Yeah. All right. Good Thank fans. you and God bless. The Liturgy Guys is brought to you by the Liturgical Institute at the University of St. Mary of the Lake, Adoramus, Society for the Renewal of the Sacred Liturgy, and the Center for Beauty and Culture at Benedictine College. Now that's a podcast.